for Zion's sake I will not keep silent for Zion's sake I'll not hold my peace Welcome to For Zion's Sake Isaiah 62.1 is taken directly out of the Hebrew Scriptures when the prophet Isaiah declared, For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not keep quiet until her righteousness goes forth like brightness and her salvation like a torch that is burning. Your hosts for the program are Shelley and June Volk, Jewish believers burdened to see Jew and Gentile become one. Believers strengthened in their faith and for their Jewish kinsmen to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. Bless the Lord and welcome to For Zion's Sake. We thank you for joining us. We're the Volks. My name is Shelley. And my name is June. Hi, everyone. It's good to be with you. And we are continuing our study of the book of Esther, the events of which took place about 2,400 years ago in Persia, which is, of course, modern-day Iran. The word God or Lord doesn't even appear in this book, yet through God's sovereignty and providence, he was working behind the scenes, and as we read in as we read in Ecclesiastes, the end of a matter is better than the beginning. Also take note of Psalm 103, verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. We read in chapter 1 that King Ahasuerus had made a feast showing the riches of his kingdom lasting 180 days. And at the conclusion of those days, he had a banquet for the people in Susa, the capital. And he wanted Queen Vashti to come and display her beauty. But she refused, and the king was counseled to give her royal position to another. In chapter 2, we read that a search was made among the uh, people, the young maidens, in the land of Persia. Who were all virgins, weren't they? They were all virgins, exactly. And as the Lord would have it, Esther, a young Jewish maiden was in the land, along with her older cousin Mordecai. And he commanded um, Esther not to reveal the fact that she was Jewish. Esther found favor in the king's heart, and she was chosen to be queen. It says in Proverbs 21.1, The king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. Also in chapter 2, we found that Mordecai overheard two men plotting to kill the king. He reported it to Esther, who informed the king, and the two men were hanged on a gallows. This seems like independent events, but they all are involved because of the hand of God. Yesterday we spoke from chapter 3, and in that chapter it was revealed that Haman had a plot to kill all the Jews in Persia, because all people were to call to bow down to him. He was a man of great authority. But Mordecai, no doubt because he loved and worshipped the God of Israel, refused to. Therefore, an edict was signed by the king and was issued that on the 14th day of Adar, the 12th month in the Hebrew calendar, all Jews in Persia were to be killed. The date was determined by Lot, or Pur, P-U-R, and that's how we get the name Purim, which is the feast that celebrated. Purim is the plural of Pur. Now we need to remember Proverbs 21.30. There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. So today, Junie, um, yeah, before we start chapter 4, what is it? 
Yes, I just wanted to go to chapter 3, verse 8, because I think it's very important, Shelley. It said, uh, then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, there is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of all the other peoples, and they do not observe the king's laws, so it is not in the king's interest to let them remain. And this is a very real important scripture, Shelley, because this word law, as you've brought out in the past, is not Torah, but it means manner of living. So the Jewish people were living a different manner of life. And as Christians today, are we living another manner of life? Is our lifestyle dedicated to the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, the Christ, the Son of the living God? So when we go to chapter 4, Shelley, we pick up from where you were talking about that the eunuch... Um, was going to have um, uh, a paper given to Mordecai, which we see in verse 9, that he went to Mordecai to the city square in uh, front of the king's gate. And Mordecai told this eunuch all that had happened to him and the exact amount of money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasures for the destruction of the Jewish people. Verse 8. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict, which had been issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show Esther and inform her and order her to go into the king to implore his favor and to plead with him for her people. Hatioth came back and related Mordechai's words to Esther. Then Esther spoke to Hatioth and ordered him to reply to Mordechai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that for any man or woman who comes to the king in the inner court who does who is not summoned, he has but one law that he would be put to death unless the king holds out his golden scepter so that he may live. And I have not been summoned to come to the king for these 30 days. They related Esther's words to Mordecai. Then Mordecai told them them to reply to Esther, Do not imagine, Esther, that you are in the king's palace can escape any more than all the other Jews. If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows, Esther, whether you have been attained royalty for such a time as this. That's powerful, Junie, because Esther was faced with a real dilemma. And as, as Mordecai said, you know, your family will perish unless you take up this call. And again, the end of that chapter, the end of that verse says in another version, who knows if you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And that can apply to all of us. How do we know that we're not alive for such a time as this? 
How do we know that God does not want to use us for such a time as this? These are the end days and God is going to awaken people to the situation that we're facing and he will call you to specific tasks and we have to be ready and be prepared for it. So Junie, let's see what Esther's response was. We see it in verse 15. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maidens also will fast in the same way. And thus I will go into the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. Junie, what an insight into a woman of God. And God wants to raise up not just Mordecai's in this day and age, but Esther's as well. So we conclude this chapter by reading verse 17. So Mordecai went away and did just as Esther had commanded him. Junie, the plot thickens, doesn't it? Yes, it does, Shelley, and we see in chapter 5 in verse 1 that it came about that on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace in front of the king's room, and the king was sitting on his royal throne in the throne room opposite the entrance to the palace. And when the king saw Esther, the queen, standing at the court, she obtained favor in his sight. Wow. And the king extended to Esther the golden scepter, which was in his hand. So Esther came near and touched the top of the scepter. So we see here, Shelley, the providence of God. Yes, and Lord. as you read in Proverbs that the, that the Lord can turn the king's heart in any way that That's he right. chooses. Then, the, following that, he says, Then the king said to her, What is troubling you, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even to half of the kingdom it will be given to you. And Esther said, If it please the king, may the king and Haman come this day to the banquet that I have prepared for him. Then the king said, Bring Haman quickly, that we may do as Esther desires. So the king and Haman came to the banquet which Esther had prepared. And as they drank their wine at the banquet, the king said to Esther, What is your petition, for it shall be granted to you? And what is your request? Even to half of the kingdom it shall be done. So Esther answered and said, My petition and my request is, If I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it please the king to grant my petition and do what I request, may the king and Haman come to the banquet which I shall prepare for them, and tomorrow I will do as the king says. Junie, again, the plot thickens and thickens and thickens. So what happens? Esther really had a plan that she was going to use. So let's begin. And of course, Haman was very prideful because now she he thought he had favor with not just the king, but also the queen. Then it says in verse 11, Then Haman recounted to his family the glory of his riches and the number of his sons in every instance where the king had magnified him and how he had promoted him above the princes and servants of the king. Haman also said, Even Esther the queen, let no one but me come with the king to the banquet. And tomorrow also I am invited by her with the king. Yet all this does not satisfy me every time I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. Then Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends said to him, Have a gallows fifty cubits high made, and in the morning ask the king to have Mordecai hanged on it. Then go joyfully with the king to the banquet. And, sh- and the advice pleased Haman, so he had made the gallows. Wow, and Jesus. now we see in chapter 6, the providence of God. During that night, the king could not sleep. He gave an order to bring the book of records, the chronicles, and they were to be read before the king. 
and he found written that Mordecai had reported concerning Begatha and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who were doorkeepers, that they had sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. And the king said, What honor or dignity has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? And then the king's servants who attended him said, Nothing has been done for him. So the king said, Who is in the court? And now Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace in order to speak to the king about hanging Mordecai on the gallows, which he had prepared for him. Shelley, we really see the sovereignty of God here for a dream for um, him, for the king, Ahasuerus, to see Mordecai's name and to realize that Mordecai saved his life and nothing was done to honor him. And here Haman had planned to make gallows to hang the Jews and the king, Ahasuerus, wanted to honor uh, Mordecai and Haman was in the courtyard. Really? We are really coming to an exciting part of this book, aren't really? we, Shelley? Junie, and this points out there's no accidents, there's no chance, there's no such thing as luck when we are guided by the hand of the Lord, even when he's behind the scenes and not even mentioned. Father, we thank you, Thank you, Lord. you Lord. Thank you for this incredible story. Thank you, Lord. And we repeat the word of God that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes, sovereign, and when we Lord. obey him, We'll come under his sovereignty and providential care. And we pray this for us and our listeners. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us this evening. If you would like to get in touch with Shelley and June, you can write to them at P.O. Box 1784, Scottsdale, Arizona 85252. That's P.O. Box 1784. Scottsdale, Arizona, 85252. And you can also contact them on their website, ShellyAndJuneVolk.com. That's ShellyAndJuneVolk.com. Until next time, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. This program was sponsored by the Psalm 127 Fund.